The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. I'm your host, Victoria Moran. So happy to be with you today talking about one of my favorite subjects, which would be eating plants, saving animals, getting really healthy and fit, honoring this beautiful earth and having a pretty fabulous life. I just had the most interesting technical difficulty. I was hearing that song from Cabaret, Money Makes the World Go Round, but I wasn't just hearing it in my head like you sometimes do with songs like that. It was literally coming through the microphone on my computer because I'm here doing Skype with Jeff, the engineer out in Missouri. And at first I thought this was something he was playing because Unity Online Radio comes from Unity, which is a lovely spiritual organization that believes that life should be wonderful and and abundant and talks about prosperity as one of the things that a a great life uh, should deserve. And I thought that Jeff was playing Money Makes the World Go Around, but he wasn't. It was some kind of weird iTunes-ness, doing something strange on my computer. But miraculously, I was able to shut it off while the introduction was still happening, so that I can talk to you without Joel Gray interfering. But speaking of people named Joel, after my first little uh, chatting in the initial 10 minutes here, we're going to be introducing today Dr. Joel Furman. Now I say introducing, meaning simply for this hour, because I know that you have already been introduced to him. If you have been living in this world and reading books or having a television set, you know Dr. Furman from his many books, from his number one New York Times bestseller, Eat to Live. He has a brand new book coming up called The End of Dieting that we're going to be talking about today. You also know Dr. Furman from his PBS specials. And Dr. Furman is the founder of the Nutritarian Way of Eating. Now, this is a way of eating that can be vegan, and I would think he would say ideally would be vegan, but for people who are not up for that, It doesn't have to be 100% vegan, but it has to be 90% (laughs) and and very close to all whole foods as well. And he's had 
amazing success in bringing people back to health whenever it looked as if that was not something that was going to be happening for them. So I'm thrilled and excited to be able to introduce Dr. Furman coming up here in a very few minutes. In the meantime, I'll just give you a little bit of info on what's been going on around here. We had the most wonderful memorial service on Sunday for Rin Berry. Rin Berry, as many of you know, was the editor for many years, the creator and editor of The Vegan Guide to New York City. He's also the author of Famous Vegetarians and Their Favorite Recipes, and also Food for the Gods. He was a great historian, in fact, the historian, many people would say, of the vegetarian movement. He passed away in January, and we gathered actually in the community room of my condo building on Sunday And it was so gratifying, not just to see how many people had loved Rin and how many people's lives were touched by him, but also to just get a sense of the gravitas of the vegan and animal rights movement at this time in history. Tom Reagan was here from North Carolina and absolute icon in in animal rights, and so many people who have created this movement as something real and something lasting. So thank you to everybody who came on Sunday, and um, bless you, Rin. May you continue doing your good work wherever you are. And I just got a note that somebody really special and wonderful has called in. Would that be Brenda Carey? Hi, Victoria. Hey, Brenda, how are you doing? Great. Nice to hear your lovely voice. Why, thank you. This is Brenda Carey, who is the editor and publisher of Vegan Health and Fitness Magazine. She's stopped by a couple of times before, and I love to have Brenda visit whenever there's a new issue out. They get better all the time. I love your magazine. I love your magazine. I love your magazine. Tell us what is in Volume 3, Issue 2. Thank you, Victoria. That's funny that you said that about them getting better. I feel that way. Every issue that comes out, I tell everyone, this is the best one ever. And I say that every single time, and I sincerely mean it, because uh, there are so many amazing vegan athletes out there doing so many amazing things, and we're constantly hearing more and more about, you know, just different and exciting things. And now that we've gone global, um, you know, so many people all over the world that we're now you know, getting information and contributions from are just gets more and more exciting. So to answer your question, this uh, current issue, the uh, March-April issue that's on the stands right now, features a gorgeous male model on the cover named Lasse Larson, who also started a nonprofit organization. Of course, he's um, it's all vegan, and it's uh, helping communities with uh, their community gardens and that sort of thing and educating people on so many important issues. And um, this there's a whole bunch of really awesome recipes in there. Um, more things on a lot of other vegan athletes, um, our, our usual stuff. We try to have something for all age groups. We've got recipes that appeal to kids. We've got uh, stuff on athletes of all ages and um, all different t- types of athletics. So, um, yeah, you name it. we're trying to cover the gamut of vegan health and fitness as broadly as we can. You've even got vegan tattoos. Oh, yes. This. Well, there's there's even a picture of my ankle in there, my vegan tattoo, which I love. So, uh, yeah, I think it, you know, really shows your commitment when you put it on your skin and it's there forever. So we really wanted to uh, highlight that because, of course, we we don't want anybody to fall off the wagon. We want everybody to stay vegan forever, so we want to encourage everybody to go and get a tattoo. Maybe that'll simplify things. <laughs> that, that's lovely. What, one of our uh, Main Street Vegan Academy instructors, Michael Parrish Dudell, has a lovely, very discreet tattoo that says Pythagorean, the word that was used for vegetarian before the word vegetarian was invented in the 1800s. I like that one. That's very intellectual. That's yeah. <laughs> and then, of <laughs> course, I guess there are vegan inks and non-vegan inks. You need to right. Well, we featured this amazing tattoo artist named James Spooner, who has gone through an enormous amount of trouble 
to not only use vegan inks, but even the little paper that they put on your skin has got the little outline drawing of what your tattoo is going to look like. He had a hard time finding those vegan for a while, uh, but he's really gone through a lot of trouble to make sure that every single thing down to the most tiny little piece of whatever is a vegan in his shop. And he's just opened a new uh, larger location in Hollywood. But I know there are other tattoo artists out there who are do, doing it all vegan. He was just a great example for us to highlight. Um, but I definitely encourage you, if you're vegan, you're getting a tattoo and it's going to say vegan, why not do a little Google search and find a vegan tattoo artist too? That makes sense. And did you know, I think you did, that your lovely one of your cover people from the previous issue, Mindy Collette, I'm going to be training with her at least a little bit. It was so exciting. Well, yeah, this whole kind of unity philosophy is every wish is a prayer, every good desire, everything that you can really visualize and really want at some kind of deep level, you somehow seem to create. And I had wanted to work with somebody from that plant belt fitness team. It just seemed like, oh my gosh, that would be so cool. And I was sitting in the juice bar of my gym and I knew that Mindy had moved to New York. I had no idea that she was at my gym and there she was just showing up. And I thought, oh, this is too good. This is too good to miss. I have to, <laughs> I have to follow up on that. So we'll start on Monday. Well, and thank you for that introduction. When the student is ready, the teacher. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's- <laughs> And then somebody on the uh, vegan bodybuilding and fitness uh, Facebook page said, oh, and we'll be looking forward to seeing your progress. And I'm thinking, probably not that, but it's, it's <laughs> exciting. It's exciting. I'm thrilled to be working with somebody that's, um, you know, competing and, and uh, is, is really into this thing. So now I know that when your magazine started, you didn't do so much with recipes and you've shifted now so that you've got a lot of recipes. Why is that? And what do you like most about the recipes? Good question, Victoria. You're always on top of the the most interesting uh, aspects, I I think. Um, Well, when we first started the magazine, I kept thinking about what other magazines were already doing, such as Vegetarian Times um, has all, it's, it's basically all recipes. And, you know, Veg News covers a lot of celebrity stuff and a lot of uh, reviews about restaurants, and they'll talk about how to make, you know, a sundae or a cheeseburger or something like that vegan style. And I really didn't want to, you know, go head-to-head in competition with any of these magazines that I really respected and honored so much. And so we wanted to just do something completely different. So we really focused a lot on the athletes. But as we went along, we got a lot more requests for recipes. And our types of recipes, since we're vegan health um, and fitness, are, you know, first they're 100% vegan, which is a little bit different from vegetarian times. Most of their recipes are not vegan. They're vegetarian. Um, And then we really focus on the health aspect. We try to pick recipes that have no oil, no flour, no uh, um, added sugar or salt. And, you know, if it does have um, anything like that, we try to find the absolute healthiest versions of those things and give people lots of options. And we try to have a lot of raw things. And we try to really just blow your mind with things like a raw chocolate cherry cheesecake or something that's just so delectable and delicious that you cannot believe that this is made out of raw ingredients and it's easy to make. You know, that's the kind of stuff that we look for um, to feature. So it's, it's a little bit different. So I still don't feel like we're trying to compete not necessarily with um, these other magazines. Uh, we're just doing something different. But, yeah, recipes are important. People want them, so we want to provide them. Mm, well, I really liked the maple pumpkin seed cereal parfait. I seem to favor mm-hmm. things that you can eat with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, Christy Morgan uh, has been working with us for a while now, and she's going to be in the ne- our next issue. Funny that you bring out recipes. Our May June issue is all on vegan chefs. So it's oh. all these different amazing vegan chefs and two of their very favorite healthiest recipes. We've got some amazing stuff that's going in this issue. So if you're a foodie, if you like to, you know, find new recipes, especially things that are really healthy and mind-blowingly delicious, this is uh, going to be the, the issue for you. Um, if you're more into the athletics stuff, there'll be a little bit of that in there. 
Um, not quite as much as usual. This is going to be a very food-heavy issue. But just hold out for our July-August issue because that's going to be our mega-athlete issue, and it's going to be talking about people who do ultra-marathons and triathlons and really take it to a high level. So hopefully we'll have everybody covered in the next couple issues in different aspects. It sounds like you've covered the kitchen and the gym. Thank you so much, Brenda. Vegan Health and Fitness, go online, subscribe, go to Whole Foods, buy a copy. It's a really sensational magazine, and I have to say it is very inspiring. If you are not a natural athlete and you need a little help to get out there and get your workouts in, Vegan Health and Fitness will do it for you. Thanks, Brenda. Thanks, Victoria. Eager to have you back with that food issue. And everybody else, please stay with us through these messages, and we'll be back with more Main Street Vegan here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. like to take a moment to encourage you as part of our unity online radio family of listeners to support this ministry through a love offering for your convenience you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations go to www.unity.fm and click on donate now thank you for your support What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. 
Welcome back, everybody. It is my extreme pleasure to be introducing Dr. Joel Furman. I gave you some of the high points of Dr. Furman's luminous career earlier, but let's just back up and do some of that again. He is the author of several books, the number one New York Times bestseller, Eat to Live, one of my favorites, Super Immunity, and his brand new book, The End of Dieting. Dr. Furman is a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania Medical School. He is on the board of directors of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. He's research director of the Nutritional Research Project of the National Health Association. He's a diplomat of the American Academy of Family Physicians. And as I was saying to Dr. Furman during the break, he is a voice of sanity in this sea of dietary fads and misinformation and confusion. I think particularly in his new book, The End of Dieting, How to Live for Life, because the whole dieting industry, the whole dieting mentality is just nuts. Welcome, Dr. Furman. Oh, thank you, Victoria. I'm excited to be here with you today. (laughs) Well, I am so happy that you're here. Why did you write this current book? You know, for a lot of reasons. But one is, you know, with my more than 20 years' experience with people, you know, trying to lose weight successfully and unsuccessfully, I just wanted to, um, you know, explain the process of which people can guarantee their success and within the framework that there's really not many controversies left in the in nutrition and diet industry. It's all been kind of worked out adequately by the science and by the clinical evidence, for, you know, so in other words, we can all get on the same page, we can win the war of heart attacks and strokes, dementia and cancer in America, we can be thin if we want to be without creating being confusion, and I had to address all these crazy popular fad diets, almost every single one, bar none, has promotes misinformation, all based on some predetermined preference What's going to sell the most to the, you know, the native, the, um, the American population who wants to eat the way, you know, wants to stay addicted to food, and you know, and other just and egos that just, you know, by based on past proclamations of dietary leaders and things. So in other words, there's really so little out there where people are able to start from scratch with no predetermined bias or agenda, looking through the evidence in an unbiased fashion. And let the preponderance of evidence speak for itself, and then show you know. And then, of course, we have to temp- temper that with the fact that yo-yoing your weight up and down and going on diets is so dangerous. I had to write a book about it because any way you diet, you place yourself at, inc- at usually increased risk because these diets don't last. Ninety-eight percent of people that lose weight gain back again, and that means that the, the diet that you've been given failed you tremendously because losing and gaining weight. In other words, letting your weight go up and down is more dangerous than being stable at a heavier weight. So let's say, you know, so we're, we're talk, we can talk about the science behind that and the, and the biochemistry behind it. But the point is, is that whenever you make a change to get in, whenever you make a change in the way you eat, it should be for your health and it should be something you're going to stick with for the rest of your life. Because anything you do temporarily with some expectation of, temper, of, of weight loss is going to drop, you know, it's going to come back again to where you were before. And it's going to wind up, you know, making you worse off than before. So, you know, these crazy diets that put you on, a, a, you know, um, a carbohydrate-restricted fad, you know, phase, and then you gain, lose some weight, and you go on another phase, and then you go back to the regular way of eating, and you go back to the first phase again. It's just, it's so insane and so dangerous as far as creating cancer that I, you know, that it's almost, to me, it's criminal. It's almost like we're actually, you know, exploding an epidemic of cancer in our population because of these crazy fad diets. And somebody has to speak out and say, we've got to stop this craziness and put people on the right track, which is sensible and really not even controversial. And we all got to get on the same page here. So you just said something that I think was totally shocking to most people, and that was equating up and down dieting with cancer. Now, are you talking about just the high protein, low carb diets or the process of losing and gaining weight repeatedly in and of itself? Well, we can talk about those issues, but that's correct. That when you, if you lose weight and gain it back again, and lose weight and gain it back again, you lose more what's called subcutaneous fat, which is fat external to the abdominal wall and your buttocks and hips, 
And then when you put the fat back on, the fat comes on more viscerally. So anytime you gain weight rapidly, your body can, it takes a long time to, to be able to build subcutaneous fat, whereas visceral fat can be built more quickly when you eat, you know, oils and, you know, and more calories. So when you restrict calories, you increase fat storage hormones, your body stores fat more effectively, and, when you, and the fat becomes, um, so as you lose and gain, lose and gain, you, your fat becomes more viscerally, you know, suffocating your organs around your pancreas and penetrating through the liver and around your arteries and your heart. And the fats that come on more viscerally, that means internal to the body, are more saturated. And that means they raise LDL cholesterol more and they're more pro-inflammatory, which means they obviously increase the risk of cancer. So the fact that, you, that our whole population, we're talking about 80% of the population, is always gaining and losing weight, going on one diet of one, one type or another, and losing and gaining and losing and gaining, they're actually increasing the risk of diabetes and, and heart disease and cancer in the process. Now throw into the mix the, this high-protein insanity where people cut out carbohydrates and eat more animal products, and then we have the, we could say, the witch's cauldron of higher cancer risks because now we have... Um, increasing levels of animal protein in particular and carbohydrate restriction spikes up a hormone called IGF-1 or insulin-like growth factor 1 which promotes cellular growth, cellular replication. It promotes muscle growth. It helps children grow but of course, you know, in later years as we get older, that higher level of IGF-1 becomes um, more and more dangerous. I, I think a recent study actually came out like a month ago that showed that people in the age range of 50 to 65 who were in the higher range of animal protein consumption increased the risk of cancer 400% and the risk of death by 75%. But I want to clarify that because what they called high protein was only about 19% of calories from animal protein, which means that's about the amount Americans eat because they consider high protein compared to low protein. So we're saying here that the that the 400% increased risk of cancer was not for diets like Atkins and Ducan and Paleo and, and um, Sugar Busters, because those diets are much higher in protein than 18 or 19%. Those are up to, uh, some of those diets are up to 50 to 70% of calories in protein. So we would expect cancer rates to skyrocket even much higher than 400%, maybe 10 times the increased risk of cancer in some of those most popular fad diets that are circulating today. So it is quite... Um, a threatening and ominous, you know, um, kind of climate we have with the most popular diets be, being the most dangerous out there. Wow. that This is such new information, I think, even to somebody like me who tries to keep up. But that's why we need you, because <laughs> you're always a step ahead. I wanted to ask you, Dr. Furman, when you talked about past proclamations, and it's so hard to get over those, a sentence in the end of dieting that really jumped out to me, you're talking about eating fruit, and you say, when eaten with uh, a meal, vegetables dilute and slow your body's absorption of glucose and fructose, so it's best to eat fruit as part of your vegetable-based meal. Now, you and I kind of came years ago through some of the same uh, philosophical um, ideas, and, and one of which was this thing about food combining and eating fruit by itself. And I felt like such a failure at that time because I just couldn't eat fruit by itself. I felt too spacey. So I think there was a three-year period in my life when I didn't even eat a piece of fruit. So finally, I got over that, but it took a while. What do you tell people who are caught up in some of these ideas, whether it's high protein or, or whether it's you shouldn't eat nuts or whatever it is, how do you keep an open mind about this stuff? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know if I could adequately answer that question because, you know, that's what I do as my career, as my job. I try to really, because um, you're dealing with, a, you know, a whole population of people that have fixed ideas in, and the, the idea whether, and, you know, let's take, just take um, paleo, for example, just for a minute. The fixed idea, they come to some story that sounds good based on where, you know, we, are, we ate in our past that some group of people ate, and then they try to make the science and they try to look for evidence to support that story. So it's always based on a story or premise. People adopt something they want to latch on to, and then they try to support it and hold on to it. You know, it's very difficult. I think it's very, people are, you know, are into very often belief systems, and um, 
following a leader or grabbing onto a certain, and they, they jump from, and they'll even jump from one diet to another. So I don't know, you know, um, how do I, you know, how do I get to people give up their beliefs? I guess it's that, um, you know, I, I think I just have to review the literature in a way and, and keep getting out there on radio, on television, writing books, writing articles. You just have to do the best you can in trying to get good information out there and then trying to appeal to those people of reason who want to look at the evidence in the most unbiased fashion and not get too upset or frustrated that you can't um, influence a bigger number of people. Because, you know, I, I, you have to always feel that, that I think if you're doing something positive for humanity and helping people, it's great to, be, to feel good about yourself. It's a way you build your own level of happiness by trying to be a positive influence on other people. But you can influence six other people and feel good about yourself. You don't have to influence six million people. And so we all, we all do our share in doing the best we can do. And I think the expectation that we have to, you know, change the world, it's the effort. It, it, it doesn't have to, we don't have to, you know, we're not a failure if we can't change everybody. We just have to do the best job we can and put our best effort into it. And we all do our share, you know. So I, so I can't, you know, you know what I'm saying? I think it's a very difficult um, expectation to think that we can just get everybody to start to think the way we think, even though we know, obviously, that we're trying to use evidence, logic, science, an open mind, and, you know, use whatever we advances we have. We don't want, obviously, we don't want some caveman who just wanted to survive and maybe, you know, who lived, you know, 30,000 years ago to decide what we eat today. We want modern science to help us decide what we eat today so we can live to be 100 years old and not be dead like a caveman at age 50. You know what I mean? So the point is, is that, and we do have a lot of evidence today. We have a lot of science, and we do have an unprecedented opportunity in human history where we can actually be in a, a, an era where we can not have heart attacks and strokes, not have cancer, not, and live longer without, you know, you know, without being eaten by a lion. So we can have a better life if we, make a, if we avail ourselves of the most modern science. And I'm kind of, you know, fascinated and interested in this opportunity to live longer and have a whole, you know, what's the word, um, you, know, you know, a whole million, you know, thousands, maybe even a million people who, are, who understand that you are what you eat and that this affords us a great opportunity to live longer than ever before. It's very exciting. And so many people are coming on board, which is, is just thrilling. Now, in the end of dieting, you talk about foods that promote weight loss. I think that is what everybody who's ever struggled with weight has hoped for. Are they for real? Well, that's the thing. It's that it's, it's real that foods promote weight loss. It's also real that foods promote weight gain. And Americans are eating foods that promote weight gain, and then they try to restrict calories, and they can't lose weight because they're eating foods that promote weight gain and not weight loss. So, yeah, it's, of course, that's real. And then we have, and like we said, we have people, you know, in, in all camps promoting things that are interfering with people's progress. So, yes. So the foods that promote weight gain, obviously, are things like refined carbohydrates, like sweeteners and white flour and and, and also what promotes weight gainers are not just, the, not just fat, but it's particular type of fat. It's actually oils and animal fats as opposed to high-fat nuts and seeds, which don't promote weight gain because obviously they're, they're, they're absorbed much differently. And, and there are other fallacies going on. So, and of course, people don't recognize that it's animal protein raising up IGF-1 that promotes cell proliferation, that also the IGF-1, the insulin-like growth factor 1, is shaped, is called insulin-like because it binds to the insulin receptor and like insulin promotes fat storage hormones. So we're talking about the mixture of carbohydrate, of high carbohydrate with animal protein in particular, you know, macaroni and cheese, spaghetti and meatballs, such a ham sandwich. When you mix bread and meat together, the, the combination of raising insulin with IGF-1 both it's just it is very difficult not to promote cancer and not to promote to promote um, you know fat on the body and then of course the foods with the most potential to promote weight loss you know which is which is really the same foods that have the most powerful anti-cancer effects. Let me say that one more time that the the foods with the most powerful anti-cancer effects are G bombs you know G B O M B S greens beans onions mushrooms, berries, and seeds. And the reason the phytochemicals and the, and the factors in those foods promote have anti-cancer effects 
and they prevent cells from replicating or becoming abnormal, and they, and they have anti-angiogenesis effects, which means they prevent new, red, new blood vessels from growing to fuel the fat and fueling cancers to replicate and to metastasize. So the, in other words, what I'm saying here is that the same foods that protect us against cancer also interfere with fat storage in the body and don't allow us to grow fat. So what I'm saying is you can't really be overweight and be on a healthy diet. If you're eating all the anti-cancer foods you should be eating, it's almost impossible to be overweight. And really, overweight people had to have been eating foods that are not, they're not eating an ideal diet because, they're not eating, because if they were eating an anti-cancer diet, they'd be thin and they'd be filled up and full from all the you know, anti-cancer foods they were eating. So, it's this, you know, so the good thing is it's the same diet style that, that protects us against breast cancer and prostate cancer and colon cancer and keeps us thin at the same time. That is so exciting. So right after the break, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to learn precisely what these fat-fighting and cancer-preventing foods are. I know you've talked about the G-bombs. Love your G-bombs. I always try to have them by lunchtime. I want to be sure that they're, my G-bombs are taken care of by one in the afternoon. It, it is the, I think, most doable nutritional insurance instruction that I have ever known. It's simple. It's easy. Greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds. God bless you, Dr. Furman. And we'll be back right after these messages. Do you ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck, author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. There is peace. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. Our guest today is Dr. Joel Furman, MD, author of the brand new book, The End of Dieting, How to Live for Life. So the foods that 
help people lose weight are greens and vegetables primarily? Well, yeah, I mean, well, mushrooms particularly, you know, you know are a superfood. In other words, mushrooms, you know, reduce levels of um, estrogen stimulation of the breast, dramatically reducing breast cancer rates. And they're very powerful in angiogenesis inhibiting and reducing fat storage in the body. So, And they're best eaten cooked, not raw, because when you cook them, you blow off a, uh, a garotene, which is a mild carcinogen in mushrooms that, you know, that goes into the air when it's cooked. So, so this, the answer is eating cooked mushrooms is particularly beneficial to your to weight, not because they're low in calories, but just because they add anti-fat storage hormone, anti-fat storage phytonutrients. The same thing is true with, with um, flax seeds and chia seeds. You're not going to, you know, not, even though they're, they're, you're not, they're not encouraging weight loss because they're low in calories. They actually have significant calories, but they have various lignans and phytochemicals that are very beneficial to your health, your health and your weight, and they affect your health and weight through hormone modulation. So, there's, yeah, so it's more than just calories in, calories out here. You know, what I'm saying is a woman at 5'5", five, five, weighing 160 pounds, one person, because of the foods she eats and because she's died in, in the past, could become diabetic and could be at high risk of cancer. Another person, because she's overweight, but was stable and eating a little healthier, may be a much safer place. But ideally, the, even the person, that had, the fact that she is overweight reflects the fact that she's not eating the proper diet to prevent cancer or she would never have become that overweight. That makes sense. I love how you talk in a way that lay people get it. Now, you mentioned the flax seed and, and the other seeds, and I know that seeds are among your G-bombs. And yet there are voices out there saying that anything with a high fat content is bad, period, end of story. You're not in that camp. What what do you have to say about this? I'm not in that camp because obviously I you know I'm um I'm like you know consider myself a you know to be scientific and let the science dictate where we go and the science um the preponderance of evidence is overwhelming to deny that nuts and seeds extend lifespan you'd have to bury your head under the beach. You know, I mean, it's really, and the facts are is that eating some fat with your vegetable meals facilitates the absorption of phytochemicals and antioxidants that would be lost in a low-fat meal. So we're talking here about the potential for longevity and the fact that in every study on maximizing human longevity, taking all the fat out of the diet and restricting nuts and seeds has shortened people's lifespan. And you could, you know, rationalize one, you know, you have to make a million different rationalizations, and that's what these people do. The, you know, the people who want to eat meat rationalize why this study isn't good, and, the, you know, that study says this, and this is wrong, and the people want to, you know, it's, it's that people are, if you, in other words, what I'm saying here is that you can't um, rationalize out of 85 studies in a row that show that eating nuts and seeds extend human lifespan. You have, so you... For example, the Seventh-day Adventist studies, one of the original ones done 20 years ago, showed that um, vegans who did not eat nuts and seeds did not live as long as people who ate some animal products who ate nuts and seeds. The longest lived were the vegans who ate nuts and seeds, of course. But that's been corroborated in multiple studies to show that the removal of fat from the diet puts people at particular risk. My concern, in the, in the, my concern and I, I speak about this openly and may raise the, you know, the anger of some of these um, low-fat vegan advocates is that I think they're, they're putting certain people at significant risk here, um, and especially with certain, because I, it's well established, and I've you know, been in practice for almost 25 years now, to, to that certain people on a vegan diet can become fat deficient, and EPA and DHA deficient too, especially DHA deficient, because the conversion of ALA, which is found in walnuts and flax seeds, into um, EPA and then DHA is very genetically determined and some people could produce enough and other people could be very deficient, leading them to postpartum depression, severe depression, or dementia later in life, whereas others couldn't get by and be okay with that without having those fats added to their diet. But, they, you know, people, um, it's too often people are just trying to support a viewpoint and not being conservative and cautious with their recommendations. They're not, they, there's no care about not wanting to hurt anybody. And I'm more cautious because my 20-year my history of taking care of um, people on vegan diets who've gotten into trouble and developed dementia, Parkinson's, tremors, severe depression, 
and then finding their fatty acid levels to be very, very low or the DHA scores to be exceptionally low that we're able to get them, you know, get them back to good health again. But, you know, these can be very, very serious issues that we're talking about, you know, and even something like dementia, once you develop it or you can't then fix the problem, you're not going to be, you know, fix the brain. It's too late already. So I'm very, con- I'm very concerned about the advocacy of this extremely low-fat vegan diet that can be a particularly troublesome or disease-causing for a, for a segment of the population that doesn't convert these fats well, as well as the fact that restricting nuts and seeds from a diet is just an overall bad advice. There's no benefit to it at all unless you're, you know, overeating, unless it's, um, you know, unless you're either using nuts and seeds in a way that's dysfunctionally, you know, overeating on not eating, eating them not with eating, instead of eating them as a dressing or with your meal, you're in some way snacking on them or overeating on them, or, um, you know, or pe- you know, or people are overeating in general, and then p- binging out on food in general. Then, of course, you know, you take out a concentrated calorie like nuts and seeds, some benefit. But the overall, for for most of us who are, you know, who want to be sensible about eating, trying to cut all the fat out of your diet is just um, bad advice. Now, on the other hand, the whole initial reason people, you know, were so fearful about fat is because all the studies on fat are done on oil not nuts and seeds. When, for example, the Mediterranean diet, we did a recent study that showed that, that people took um, olive oil and substituted walnuts for the olive oil. They had a, reduction, a dramatic reduction in heart attack deaths and a dramatic reduction in, in weight and a dramatic reduction in, you know, in, in um, metabolic parameters. In other words, you get tremendous benefits when you switch nuts and seeds in for oil because when you eat oil, the body absorbs it 100% effectively and, and, and quickly. And you can't, the body doesn't maintain the fat in circulation. It has to store it as fat. So it goes within minutes to your fat stores. And once it's stored as your fat, it's hard to get it off as it was, if it was burned as, you know, it was carbohydrate or if it was burned if the fat came in slowly. So you eat nuts or seeds, it comes in over three to four hours, not three to four minutes. Your body can burn it for energy. It's much more difficult to store it as fat. And nuts and seeds also increase stool fat. So all the calories aren't absorbed like they are with oil. But now once you put fat on the body because you've eaten the oil, let's say you've had some oil in what you've eaten, and the fat and oil is not like nuts and seeds, it's absorbed very rapidly and it has to be stored as fat. So now to burn it, you have to burn it, you have to try to burn it off your fat supply. Now your body preferentially burns the glycogen store in the liver. It doesn't burn fat preferentially. It's, it burns the glycogen for energy first. That means it burns the, the, the glucose, those are the sugar we stored in our liver and the body between meals. So you burn that off and then, and then eventually you'll start burning fat when you use up most of your glycogen. But what happens is people don't eat two or three meals a day. They eat constantly all day long. And it's before the, glyc- before the fat stores start to get burned, they eat another meal, so they're starting to burn glycogen again. They never get to burn the fat. So the reason why most of these studies show that both animal fats and oils both are bad, and when you switch one fat to another, you don't get much reduction in heart disease risk, is because all these fats are stored rapidly on the body. And the body preferentially burns glucose or glycogen, and people are eating all day long and snacking, and they just keep building onto the fat stores of the body, and people never lose the fat. So unless you're a world-class athlete, or unless you're like a working behind a heavy plow, you know, with an ox eight hours a day, you're not going to be able to eat a lot of fat and not be fat. So it is true that the when we eat a lot of fat, we're more prone to get fat. So I, you know, these these low-fat advocates are checking all the fat out of people's diets. Do have some proper science behind their their viewpoints. But then they extrapolate that to not eating nuts and seeds, and then, they mess, then you're messing up a lot of people and also cutting short our potential to live to be 100 years old in great health. you follow all that? I know I was talking pretty rapidly. No, I, I, I get it, and I love it. And I'm so happy that you enunciated that so clearly for everybody because I think there is a lot of confusion out there. One question that I have never had answered, has anybody ever done a study on people with heart disease and a diet like you recommend that does include nuts and seeds, do they do as well as the people on the no-fat diet? Well, that's that's the thing, and that's what I talked about in my in my book to a degree. That obviously, you know, there's a very limited number of people in these studies who reversed heart disease, and you know, and so the so heart disease is a reversible condition. And I'm suggesting that my findings over the last 25 years um, treating thousands of people with heart disease not only have um, reversal of their condition, but have more accelerated reversal, more dramatic reversal, more, you know, than people ex- going on a low-fat diet, excluding nuts and seeds. So, yes, yeah, so, and I'm, you know, I'm obviously working on a study right now that um, we just published a study on, 
on um, DHA and vegans, and my next project is to do a is to try to get some data published on the on heart disease. But yes, I would say that um, there's very little um, studies in this arena. There's a very you know we know about Dean Ornish, we know some of Dr. Esselstyn's work with a limited number of patients, but there's very few studies documenting the large numbers of people and and seeing you know the the full spectrum of what occurs and how much reversal occurs on various diets. So I think that it's really a, a, terrific, a, a terrifically understudied subject. And, um, and, of course, the scientific community and the medical community really kind of um, is looking for these studies for direction. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons my, one of my interests is the Nutritional Research Foundation, which is a nonprofit 501c3 that's funding and supporting these, new, these studies to um, do more studies on how how um, effective um, to, our, to the world at large and to the medical scientific community, how effective it can be therapeutically that um, a nutritarian diet or excellent nutrition can be therapeutically effective to, to show, to document this. So I have, of course, not just my patient pool, but, you know, but thousands of people who follow my work on the one, my website at drfirman.com, and I can survey and you know, pool some of these people. We can put out some, we can do some smaller studies, but obviously it takes significant funding to do some major studies that have greater impact. Well, you have a lot of impact. I'm sure you know that. And in our five minutes, I can't believe that our time is almost up. Let me get to some of the questions that people have sent in. Folic acid versus folate, somebody says. I'm confused. I don't know what the confusion is about. Folic acid is synthetic. It doesn't occur in nature. It's a petroleum byproduct, and it has to be converted into folate to be activated. And it floats around in your body and increasing the risk, significantly increasing the risk of breast cancer. And you don't need folic acid in any time of your life, whether pregnant or not, if you're eating a healthy diet. Fol- you know, we're getting more than enough folate in natural foods. If you're eating a healthy anti-cancer diet with beans and green vegetables, and there's tons of folate, and you wouldn't need to take extra of a folic acid, which causes cancer. So I think that it's a massive mistake in the history of nutrition that we've been pushing folic acid on a population on pregnant women to prevent birth defects because it's probably spur part of the reason for this, ca- this epidemic of breast cancer and also causing tremendous damage in children from the intake of folic acid instead of using real folate-containing foods. And I'm claiming that this push to use folic acid is one of the reasons we have a skyrocketing rate of childhood cancers because if we told women they had to eat real green vegetables to get folate, we'd be saving med- millions of children's lives from, from, from acute blastocytic leukemia because you're not just getting folate out of green vegetables. You're getting all those other protective nutrients. So when people think they can take folic acid instead of folate, they wind up not paying attention to, that, to their need to eat vegetables to protect their children from cancer. So it's, it's a difficult, it's a complicated subject. But very simply, it's just get folate from real food and, don't, and supplements do not have the same beneficial effects and can even hurt you. Wow. Next question. What about being a fat kid and having extra fat cells? Will I ever be able to keep the weight off? That's another, you know, it's not a myth, but it's certainly not a major factor because obviously it's, it's much, you know, you, you all, I've taken care of thousands of people that had special uniforms when they were young and, you know, they were fat their whole lives and they lose weight, for, you know, they lose weight when they eat right. So, yeah, so um, more of a reason for you to try to let eat so, eat so healthfully to reverse and undo the damage and the epigenetic changes and the cellular, you know, dysplasia, whatever occurred to you when you're young, more of a reason why I advocate such an excellent diet when people get older so they don't suffer from the problems they developed when they were younger. So, yes, it's more of a reason to not give up, but to eat very carefully and to eat right when you're older. And the next question, and I guess our last one, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. I read your books and you love beans, but I can't digest them. What do I do? Well, you know, I don't know for sure what this person's problem is, but most people who can't digest beans, it's because the body doesn't have built up the right bacteria to digest the indigestible starches in beans, and it causes too much discomfort and gas. And, and so it's a combination. So what they have to do is take a small amount, titrate down to what amount of beans they can eat that's comfortable. Maybe they can eat one bean a day chewed really well or a teaspoon of beans. But they could start with lentils and chickpeas and, and green peas and, green and dried split peas. And they can start with, you know, the, easy, the stuff that has less resistant starch and less of the things that are difficult. And then and just keep eating that very tiny amount every day. 
and maybe and the body will gradually build up the bacteria to digest it better and better, and you can increase after a month, start increasing it a little more, and then start eating a little bit small amounts of the harder to digest beans, chewing them to a liquid in your mouth before you swallow them, eating a you know a teaspoon or to a tablespoon of beans a day, and then over time, you know we're talking about you know three to six months later, you'll be able to handle a a, a, a more reasonable amount of beans in your diet, and maybe a year later you can handle you know beans without any problem in your diet. So in other words, we with any problem, not we're not talking about a food allergy. We're talking about a digestive intolerance. People should not eliminate the food totally. They should titrate down to a smaller amount of that food that's comfortable for them to digest and not let the body accommodate to it gradually. And then they can do all their G-bombs. That's great news. Dr. Furman, thank you so very much. Uh, the website is drfurman, F-U-H-R-M-A-N.com. The brand new book, The End of Dieting. And it's a great one. You got to get this. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. And thanks for all that you're doing to make this world better. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. (laughs) And everybody else, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. God bless you and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment. And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you saying to yourself, I'm going to focus on me starting Monday, or right after the holidays, or on my next birthday? Well, we are here to say, don't wait another moment. Your health is the most important gift you have for yourself and those you love. Start now to become a more vibrant, healthy human being. Take that critical first step and join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central on Awaken to Your Best Health, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity 
confidence and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.